0: Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business podcast from the Business in Vancouver newspaper and from BIV.com. I'm Haley Wooden and today on the show we're featuring a Q&A with Metro Vancouver board chair Greg Moore. You're listening to BIV Today. This week, Metro Vancouver Board Chair Greg Moore gave his annual address to the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade. Moore has spent a decade as mayor of Port Coquitlam and about six and a half years as chair of Metro Vancouver's board. And he's not seeking re-election this fall, which means he's now the outgoing chair of that board. After a 20-minute address to the Board of Trade, which you can find online through their site, I had the chance to join Moore on stage for a 20-minute And a To set the scene, the final minutes of his speech were dedicated to the topic of board remuneration, an issue that caused a firestorm earlier this year when the board voted to approve additional compensation. This was later defeated and Moore said in his remarks that media actually in part got this wrong. So that's where we start. Greg, thank you for taking the time to answer our follow-up questions. I'm sure there are many and I will be keeping my eyes on Slido. So please do submit your questions and vote them up so they appear on the screen. You ended your keynote talking about remuneration. So why don't we start there? I have to. You said 90% of the media stories were not accurate. There's a lot of controversy around this. I want to give you the opportunity then to clarify and and tell us the right truthful story to this issue.
1: Sure, thank you. Um, And when I was talking about the media doing a bad story, I wasn't talking about you. Uh, (laughs) So, so the original story came out it was a pension it was snuck through on a friday afternoon it was the last item on the agenda none of that's true um it wasn't the last item on the agenda it was about in the middle of an agenda uh it wasn't done on a friday afternoon it was done on a friday morning but metro vancouver meets on fridays uh our schedule is published in december and so that was a regular three-hour board meeting um and it was there was two parts to it. So uh, the federal government has made a change to the taxation laws and that uh, elected officials, specifically local government, but it does affect uh, MLAs as well in some of their uh, filings, that we, we, up until the end of this year, get a 15, uh, 15% of our wage is tax-free. And so what we did, uh, what we wanted to do, and what we've done in many municipalities across this country, because it's not just a a BC thing, uh, has adjusted the wage so that the take-home pay, what you see in the bottom right-hand corner, was going to be the same. So obviously had to increase the gross to get to the net. So that's what we did on half of it. The other part was around the, uh, we called it a retirement allowance, and it was a uh, uh, one-time fee or a payout when you left politics from Metro Vancouver. And so at the end of your term, uh, you would get 10.2% of your uh, salary, or you do not have salary, I get a salary, but uh, your your remuneration at Metro Vancouver. So when you look at on average of what an average director at Metro Vancouver makes, uh, they make about $11,000 a year. So we're talking about $1,100, $1,200 a year, uh, remuneration sort of one-time payout. So if you're there for 10 years, we're talking about 11 grand. So, you know, being on the front page of the news. Now, I got more. I straight up, I get paid $86,000 to be the chair of Metro Vancouver. So, and I haven't done that for the 10 years that I've been there. Um, so, mine was going to be, I think, $55,000. But when I, you know, I'm on the va- front page of the Vancouver Province saying golden handshake. I'm not sure if $50,000 one-time payout is golden handshake. A firefighter in any of our communities will make that much. In retirement every single year for the rest of their life. So will every city employee. So will every nurse, every, everybody that's a government worker in any sector. Uh, this was one time. So uh, I think maybe where we messed up the most, uh, to be straight up, is, is I think backdating it 10 years, I think is, is, is really where it rubbed most people the wrong way. And the thinking behind that was, well, if it's good for people coming in, why isn't it good enough for people that have served that time here? they put in the same, well, maybe more time, and maybe they should be compensated when they leave office, whether that's to transition back into their career or they're actually retiring.
0: It was defended, defeated. Have your thoughts on this issue since changed?
1: Um, no. Uh, I, I think that we need to have this conversation. I don't think, I don't think local government officials are paid enough. Uh, there's no pension. Some of us have brought in our local governments a transition allowance, um, but if you don't have that, what is encouraging anybody uh, to run for local government and leave a mid-career to, to go back and then have to, you know, maybe serve two terms, eight years, and then have to transition back, right? So the election's on October 20th. My last paycheck is October 31st, right? I've got a mortgage. I have a family. Um, every once in a while you 're going to stumble across. I would suggest good people that will take time out in the middle of their career to do that. But we have one uh, mayor that if he decides to go back to his previous job, uh, he was a paramedic, he 's got to go through training again, he 's all on his own dime, all this sort of stuff to get back to his career. Is that we wouldn 't expect that out of anyone else. The other final thing on that, well I maybe mean, not the final, but the final thing I 'll say is, um, as a local government elected individual, we aren 't under the Employment Standard Act. So I can't apply for EI. I can't... All of you are, are business people here. When you probably got into your job, you probably negotiated your compensation uh, before you got there, or you asked for raises along the way or something like that. And if you get terminated, if you get terminated without cause, you're going to negotiate your termination. Right? If you get terminated with cause, you're still going to get EI and all that sort of... I don't get any of that as local government. Whether I get not re-elected or re-elected, I get terminated and no transition. So I think it's an important, and what we were trying to do at Metro Vancouver, because we didn't think that it was this golden handshake, but we thought that if we brought this forward, we would elevate, which we did successfully, the conversation about remuneration. (laughs) Maybe not the path we were thinking, but we did get that part right, and I think it's a a very important conversation going forward.
0: So you're retiring from municipal politics, but not retiring. That's what you're saying.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Too young. (laughs)
0: Too young. That's good. Now, you mentioned elections sort of on that theme in the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade's recent economic scorecard. They paid special focus on the idea of regional governance and cooperation. And one of the ideas put forward was directly electing Metro Vancouver board members. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I I think it's a terrible idea. Um, Our federation relies on the linkage between our communities and the board. If the board was making decisions that weren't in line with what we were doing in our local governments, you would just have this really bad level of politics that would be fighting with each other. They'd probably be fighting with other levels of government, which we do sometimes. Um, But that linkage between what happens in Port Coquitlam and the, because Metro Vancouver uh, in some cases doesn't have the ability to pass bylaws in Port Coquitlam, but we need the bylaws passed to promote The policy that we brought in. So I'll just use water restrictions as an example. So we create the water uh, strategy at Metro Vancouver, stage one, two, three, and four, all that sort of stuff. But it's up to the city of Port Coquitlam to implement that water strategy. And if it was a different elected body, I, as the mayor of Port Coquitlam, might go, I completely disagree with your water strategy at Metro Vancouver. I'm not implementing your own thing. I'm going to do my own thing. And then how does that help us manage the water situation, as one example. So I think that linkage is vital to the success.
0: In addition to that, one of the ideas is that it might bring about more transparency. So would there be other solutions to maybe making the board a little bit more accountable in certain instances?
1: I think transparency and accountable are are two terms that we shouldn't interact. Um, I would challenge anybody to, to tell us what they mean by transparency that we're not doing. Right. Everything in local government that can be is online, because if it isn't, we're getting FOI'd about it, and it's going to get online anyway. So we just proact. Like, I publish my monthly calendar of everybody I meet with. I publish my expenses every month. We pu- actually all directors do it in, in, in Metro and in our in Poco, anyways. Um, all of our agendas are online. Like, there's frankly in in Poco, we had too much stuff online. We had to take some of it down because. You know, nobody was reading and it was getting clogged and you couldn't find what most people were actually looking for. So I think And and we all have open data um, About being accountable now. That's a different conversation. So that's about the the amalgamation or about directly elected Um, I hope that by us raising the importance of Metro Vancouver over the last number of years that people will when they're electing their mayor because usually it's the mayor in most cities that sits on the board, will also be thinking about what they're going to do for them when they sit on the board as well.
0: To that point, too, thinking regionally, the Board of Trade has done a lot of work on that. I think that's been a regional and provincial conversation to a large extent. When it comes to our competitiveness, what role do you think Metro Vancouver can play? And maybe you can talk a bit about the Regional Prosperity Initiative as well.
1: Thanks. So, yeah, the... The Regional Prosperity Initiative um, is, is, a, is a big piece of work, like I mentioned in my speech, but we have local governments sitting around the table. We have Boards of Trades and Economic Commissions. Uh, we have the Board of Trade, the Chamber of Commerce, um, the ports, uh, but you know what? We also have labor there and we have universities there and we have some other nonprofits there. They all participate in the Regional Prosperity and Regional Economic Development. And I think that's what's going to be different about this. And so, we're, we're re- so we've been doing this for a couple of years now. I, 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 I sometimes um, push way too hard uh, as I look at some of our Metro staff. But I now have a clock. So uh, I really, like, I think this is such an important piece of work. And we have... Uh, I think really good board support at Metro Vancouver. We got everybody kind of swimming in the same direction that we really need to get this across the finish line uh, before summer. And so we're, we, we hired McKinsey to write the business case with us, which many people in this room, thank you, participated in and, uh, and gave thoughts about. Um, We're working on what the governance model looks like, we're working with, we have meetings with all the economic development officers in the region, uh, with the board, it's all right there and we're, I think we're really close to pushing it off the shores of, from Metro Vancouver as a regional district who's been the champion in owning it, to into the society for the community to own it. And I think it's a real game changer for this region and we worked... We didn't work hard, but we were very cognizant that we kept regional prosperity as the, as, as the top title for it. Even though a lot of it's going to be about economic development and cooperating together to uh, get foreign direct investment and that sort of thing, because we see Edmonton and Calgary and, and Montreal and Toronto doing that, so we need to work together and not in silos. But we wanted to ensure that prosperity was a part of it, because when you bring that diverse group around the table, why not try to tackle other issues at the same time?
0: Is amalgamation on the table to help breaking down some of those silos? And I'm looking at this top question here. Why not consider amalgamating municipalities to remove some of the barriers to solutions that you talk about and enhance the level of regional collaboration?
1: Um, I'm, I'm straight up, I'm not a big fan of, of amalgamation. You maybe could argue in a couple sense, couple smaller senses that maybe it makes a little bit of sense um, for the smaller municipality to get into a bigger one for economies of scale. Um... But, you know, Richard and Mike are here, you know, people always talk about the Tri-Cities should maybe be amalgamated. But, you know, if you took all of our budgets together, our budgets would probably be about $250 million, maybe closer to $300 million. Sure, you'd have some less politicians, maybe that's a good thing. You'd have uh, a few less, uh, you know, uh, executives, a few. Um, You wouldn't cut anything of your core services. We're not going to close a pool or a fire hall or a police department or the water department or the sewer department. You know, that's like 90 some odd cent of our, percent of our budget. So to think that it's going to save money. Um, and frankly, we, we work together quite well. And I love that there is somewhat of a friendly competition. I want to be a better city than Port Moody and Coquitlam. I'm, well, yeah, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> but I don't do it in spite of Coquitlam. But I don't do it in spite of Coquitlam. I don't do it and take advantage of Coquitlam to make us better. I do it because it's a friendly competition. Uh, and I think you've, with Richard, Mike, and I, you guys have seen us travel the country and do some crazy stuff. So, uh, but I also appreciate that there's other discussions there. If you look at amalgamation in, in Ontario, uh, it wasn't more efficient, it didn't create better decisions, and it didn't create a cheaper property tax base. Uh, when they look 10 years back of the mega-amalgamations. Mega Not just Toronto, all of them. So, um, it, anecdotally, it kind of feels good, but there's no evidence that it actually works.
0: You mentioned in your keynote some of the work Metro Vancouver has done around social and affordable housing. What additional role do you think Metro Vancouver could play on what is a very complex and regional issue?
1: Yeah, I talked about what we're doing, like, you know, hands on the ground of what we're doing. Um, and, you know we did do the uh, the homelessness strategy so that was more of a policy type work uh, and I think that's the role that Metro can continue to play is uh, you know we, we see we're in this really it seems fast-paced to a certain extent um, you got the feds coming out with a national or came up with a national housing strategy and lots of money to go with it you got the provincial government coming out with their strategy and lots of money uh, and you got Metro that plays this interesting role so I think Um, There's a lot of people with a lot to say on this right now and all very good intentions. So I I think part of the role of Metro Vancouver, we need to do more density in our own sites because that's a key role and Mike's doing a great job heading that up. Um, But we also uh, uh, need to, I think, be a collaborator with others. Uh, to help them do that. So in Port Coquillum, I don't don't want our city to be a housing provider. That's not our job. We have no competency in it. Nothing. But if I had a piece of uh, land, I would want to reach out to Metro Vancouver Housing Corp and say, I'll give the land. Let's go get some provincial federal money and will you operate it? I think that's a winning model for us as local government.
0: This top question here touches on the idea of affordability as well. What can Metro Vancouver do about economic development? specifically economic activity that raises incomes to address and close the gap on affordability.
1: I think that's a great question and uh, I keep looking at Evie because she's part of our steering group uh, at, uh, at the Regional Prosperity Initiative because we've had that conversation and we also had this conversation I headed up for the Union of BC Municipalities, uh, a, B, a strategy for affordable housing across British Columbia um, and part of that conversation wasn't just about the housing, it was how do we raise the average income up. That's very, very important. And I know the scorecard highlighted that. I know the work that we're doing with McKinsey when we release our business case will highlight uh, our GDP per capita, a whole bunch of other things. We need to do a much better job of bringing that end up as well. I don't know if I have the answer, but some of it is some of it's regional economic development, but, uh, but we, we, we need to be cognizant that that's part of the solution going forward
0: of course. You mentioned, too, the climate strategy in a discussion paper that Metro Vancouver has put forward, climate 2050, and an 80% reduction in emissions. Give us a sense of what you think is going to be required in terms of collaboration and working together to achieve that goal.
1: Yeah, I think too often we come out with, you know, I said in the silver bullet, if we just do this or, you know, autonomous vehicles, electric cars, well that's all going to be the solution, but uh, I think it's going to be You know, that sort of saying that um, uh, many hands make light work or whatever it is. I get my sayings all wrong, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, I I think that's going to be the solution. I think each one of us has a role to play, and we all do just, not just a little bit, but a little bit leads to more, leads to more. We get the return on investment. We see that there's actually a business case in some cases to to be more environmentally friendly and that sort of thing. I think that's going to help us make those decisions.
0: What are you most proud of during your term as chair of Metro Vancouver?
1: Um, For me, I'm most proud of uh, the governance at Metro Vancouver. Um, As I said, we're a 40 person board. Uh, I'm really proud of how well we work together. I'm really proud that um, that we tackle really hard issues and we debate vigorously and then we move on to the next issue and it might be unanimous and nobody's holding grudges. And if you think about, um, even with what we just went through with the remuneration, with the exception of one person, um, there wasn't a lot of um, debate at, about the board. And so let's park that one issue. I challenge anybody to come up with a story in the last, I don't know, six, seven years about the dysfunction of the Metro Vancouver board. There just hasn't been. And so, and that's, I, 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 this, I would give the same answer over the city of Port Quillum. Um So I, I'm really proud of that. I, I'm really, when I got first elected, or when I was first as mayor, I went to a, a, a session on, newly elected uh, session, and, and one of the longer-terming, longer-serving uh, mayors, not in Metro Vancouver uh, from the island, said, um, don't expect that you're going to have friends with anybody you work with after this. And, oh, man, that's really sad. Uh, so I'm really uh, thankful that I have a whole bunch of new friends. Uh, and that might sound kind of hokey, but whether it's... I know I could phone up Richard and talk to him about pretty much anything. Personal stuff, private stuff, uh, and I know we've had those conversations. Uh, and I think that's, that's really... Uh, I'm really proud of that, and I think it's really special.
0: Is there anything you think can be done to enhance that level of cooperation?
1: I don't know. We'll find out next year. Hopefully, whoever comes in after me... Uh, sees the success that we as this board were able to do and builds on top of it. So I've given it everything I have, so I'm not sure. I think if I answered that, then I'd be like, man, I kind of failed a little bit, Um, which there's always things you can learn. But I I hope that someone builds on that.
0: And one last final closing question. What's next for Greg Moore post-October?
1: So, yeah, thanks. um, I get asked that question quite a bit. Um, So just to be clear, there's no politics in my future, um, because that's, I always get asked, well, what about provincial and federal? Um, I think it would be extremely hard. I, I really, I joke, but it's, there's a lot of truth to this. I love that I have a party of two, Aaron and I, my wife and I, that she has been my biggest partner, uh, my biggest fan. You know, she texts me just before as Robin's given the intro. I get a text from her wishing me well. So I love that I have that. I'm not sure, and I, I am so thankful for people like Ian and Patty that served in party politics, uh, that went to Victoria for work or go to Ottawa for work. I'm so thankful for they do that. I I, I don't think I could, I don't know how you did that. I I, I will tell one quick story, because we have 44 seconds. (laughs) Ian first got elected, uh, never been elected to, you know, student president or something like that, but first elected to public office. Uh, correct me, well, don't correct me if I'm wrong, because my story's good. Um, (laughs) That's true. But I suspect you'll be here later. Uh, So Ian first gets elected, and I'd known Ian before through the tech industry and all that sort of stuff, and where did this guy come from, and got elected on a strong mandate in Port Moody. And we had a homelessness uh, session or something in Coquitlam City Hall. And Ian's literally been on the job for a couple weeks he comes in, little wrinkled. He's carrying his suitcase. You Remember this? Carrying his suitcase because he didn't understand the travel thing and how to leave stuff in different places. And <laughs> he's a little flustered. He didn't know what day it was. And it was awesome. But I remember that as, yeah, you got much better at it over time. Uh, but <laughs> so I, I, anyways, I'm getting off topic. But, but so no provincial politics or federal politics because a party of two is brilliant. Um, but, you know, to be straight up, I think I'll do my own thing. Uh, you know, I was a city planner before I did this. Uh, I Now I think I have some pretty good experience in local governments, uh, in understanding provincial and federal governments, uh, and understanding how all of these systems works and who's who in the zoo. I think you put those two things together, and I think it's a pretty good combination. So that's what I could do. Great.
0: Thank you very much, Greg. Thank you. That was Greg Moore, outgoing board chair of Metro Vancouver and the outgoing mayor of Port Coquitlam. This has been BIV Today, the daily business podcast from the Business in Vancouver newspaper and from our website at biv.com. Thanks for listening. You can find us on iTunes and on our website. We'll be back Monday.